Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode number Lucky 700, woohoo, with Wendy Suzuki. If you've got more anxiety than you like, Wendy's got some fresh perspectives on how to make that anxiety work for you. So you'll learn one, the six superpowers of anxiety, two, how to trick your brain into relaxing, and three, how a 30-second meditation can make all the difference. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we referenced here, I recommend you drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep700. That's awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP700. Now here is Wendy's story. Dr. Wendy Suzuki is a professor of neuroscience and psychology in the Center for Neuroscience at New York University and a celebrated international authority on neuroplasticity. She was recently named one of the 10 women changing the way we see the world by good housekeeping and regularly serves as a sought-after expert for publications including the Wall Street Journal, Shape, and Health. Her TED Talk has received more than 31 million views on Facebook and was the second most viewed TED Talk of 2018. Big thanks to Wendy for sharing her wisdom with us. And big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. One sponsor to check out is LinkedIn Jobs. Did you know that you can post a job for free at linkedin.com slash be awesome? And with a fresh year, perhaps you're like many small business owners looking for some fresh insight and talent to make 2024 extra amazing. Well, LinkedIn Jobs has created tremendous tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and free. I love how they make it so easy with their promotion and selection tools. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. No, no, no. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Here's some fun facts. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours, and small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash awesome. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-W-E-S-O-M-E, as in you are being awesome, be awesome, to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Now, here's Wendy. Wendy, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. So happy to be here. Well, I'm excited to dig into your wisdom. Now, you are a professor of neuroscience, but you also spent some time observing baboons in Botswana. Yes, I did. Tell us the story here. How did that come to be and any insights or hilarity from that experience? Well, it was just awe from that experience. It, well, I call it my Jane Goodall experience. It was my very first sabbatical, a studying behavior, and decided to apply it to baboon behavior and got associated with an amazing lab uh, out of University of Pennsylvania, Cheney and Seyfarth, who had a baboon cognition research station in the Moraini Game Reserve in Botswana. And so I went there for about two, three weeks, uh, worked with their postdocs, and I was the most highly educated research assistant ever. (laughs) My job was to collect poop. So I was a baboon poop collector. All right. And proudly did my job. And uh, it's actually much more difficult than you might imagine because you have to be able to tell the difference between the different baboons so that you collect the correct poop. Hmm. And that was challenging. 
Did you know that baboons in the wild are identified by their ear markings? Their ears get beat up in fights and things. And so what you get is not a like a, a little picture of, of the face of every baboon with their name. Here's Elvis, here's uh, Loki, but you get the name Elvis and you get a little drawing of his right and left ear. So you are walking around trying to look at the ears of all of these baboons which uh, that was actually really funny to watch me do. And, but it was so fascinating. They, it was like a little soap opera out there. You would not believe the intrigue and the sex and the dastardly deeds that get done <laughs> in these baboon colonies. Intrigue and sex and dastardly deeds. We're off to a great start, Wendy. <laughs> so that's baboons. We've got dastardly deeds. Let's hear a little bit about anxiety. That can cause us to do some dastardly things or feel not so great. Yes. You have come to some insights associated with anxiety. Can you share what's one of your most uh, surprising and fascinating discoveries you've made along these lines? So the whole book, Good Anxiety, is really about how if you are able to embrace all aspects of your anxiety, both those negative, uncomfortable feelings, but also all the information your particular form of anxiety teaches you about yourself, then your anxiety transforms into something that could bring you to a more fulfilling life, a more creative life, and ultimately a less stressful life. So that is the take-home message of good anxiety that is the culmination of all the research and the science and, and just the observations that I've done around the area of anxiety. Mm-hmm. So, so you're saying the benefit of anxiety is the teaching that, that it gives us primarily. Is that right? Or there's some more things there too? There's lots of things. So one of the superpowers that one gets with anxiety. In fact, we talk about six different superpowers that come from good anxiety. Uh, They include resilience, compassion, flow, mindset, focus, and creativity. Now, I'm not saying that somebody that's in the throes of of what I call bad anxiety, when anxiety starts to block you and you can't go out and you can't speak fluidly because you have lots of anxiety. That is not when you start to get these superpowers. What the book takes you through is first exercises and activities to help you flip that bad anxiety into good manageable anxiety. And it's when anxiety is in this manageable state is when you can take advantage of all of these positive aspects of anxiety, including all those superpowers that I talked about. And that is what the book describes, how these powers of resilience come from the fact that if you are experiencing lots of little bouts of anxiety, every single little bout is contributing to your little piggy bank of resilience. Now, if these bouts are, are very debilitating, that, that's hard to appreciate. But in fact, scientific experiments have shown that if people go through large numbers of more controllable bouts of stress or anxiety, they develop what's called stress 
resilience. They are more resilient than other controls that get either uncontrollable stress or no experience of stress, either controlled or uncontrolled. So there are definitely positive aspects that come to it. You have to know how to leverage all of the information and superpowers that do come with anxiety. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I'd love to have those superpowers. So can you walk us through an example here? So you're feeling anxious about something and then uh, what do you do to make it work for you? So most people, the most common question that I get is I get bouts of anxiety. I don't know how to, how to make it go away, make it feel better. And so I always start with the two most direct ways that you can counteract anxiety. You don't need to practice. You don't need to do anything. And here they are. First one is deep breathing. So you don't have to practice it, just deep breathing. Because what you're doing with deep breathing is you're activating one of our amazing nervous systems that we all have in our body called the parasympathetic nervous system. It's also called the rest and digest nervous system. This is a nervous system that kicks in when you have a little more time on the weekends. You can digest. You're not doing 10 things that your boss just asked you to do. And that causes a whole bunch of physiological responses, slowing of the heart rate, deeper, fuller breathing, blood flow into your digestive system and away from your muscles. Whereas the stress system or parasympathetic nervous system, the stress nervous system, does the opposite. I live in New York, so taxi cab comes too close to you, clips you, almost clips you on the street, and you jump back. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to analyze it. Your stress system and and danger alerting system has you jump back. Your heart rate goes up. Your blood flow is going to your muscles because you have to get away from the danger. And so I want less of that stress activation systems in my normal life, and I want more of that rest and digest system. So it's hard for me to slow my heart rate consciously, but the best way into that system is deep breathing. By deep breathing, you start to activate other elements of that rest and digest relaxation system. So that's a wonderful way to do it. Again, you don't, you want to catch it before it gets into really deep anxiety. So as you start to feel anxiety come on, get those deep breaths going. That's number one. Number two is another very effective way to quell bad anxiety is simply moving your body. Go for a walk outside, do some jumping jacks, whatever is most most natural for you to do. Why? Because even moving your body a little bit can stimulate the release of neurotransmitters like dopamine, serotonin, noradrenaline. I like to say that every time you move your body, you give your brain a bubble bath of positive neurochemicals, including dopamine and serotonin that are going to activate your feelings of reward and and happiness. So those are two immediate things that you can do. Because as I said, you can't get to the superpowers when you're in a state of bad anxiety. So you've quelled your anxiety. You haven't gotten rid of it. You have lots of things. We all have our own personal anxiety stories. And so now you've quelled your bad anxiety and it's a little bit more manageable. It still comes with those negative feelings, but but it's not as debilitating as it was before. Now you're able to start to tap into some of those superpowers. And 
One of the superpowers that I, I, I love to talk about is the superpower of compassion. That is, I think it's very easy to understand. So let me give my, an example from my own life. When I was uh, in middle school, high school, I was a very, very shy young person, scared to talk, scared to raise my hand in class. I knew the answers, but I, you know, too scared to actually interact and say the answers out loud. And that caused a, a lot of my early anxiety in my life. So I've developed ways not to be shy in that way. But what I realized is that deep understanding of that feeling of fear has given me the superpower of compassion. And I'm able to use that particular superpower in my own teaching because I happen to become a teacher. And so I use it altruistically by making sure that all the students in my class have many different ways to talk to me, interact with me, tell me what they know because that is very satisfying to a student, I know, from, from my own student days. But I'm very, very aware of all those students out there. They know the answer, but they have an anxiety of speaking out in class. And I do this also, it's not just in, in a student classroom situation, but in a meeting situation. Sometimes there are people that are easily speak out and others have a harder time. So as if I'm directing the meeting, I always make sure that everybody gets a say. And, and if somebody hasn't said anything, I made sure without putting them on the spot that they had their, their say taken. And that level of compassion comes from my particular anxiety story. And you can apply compassion from your own deep understanding of whatever anxiety you have. Money anxiety, aging anxiety, grade anxiety. What can you do to help others because you understand so deeply what that anxiety is? Mm -hmm. Well, that's lovely. So when it comes to the deep breathing yeah. And the moving your body in order to to get you to a, a more useful place. I, I'm curious. Yeah. Do you suggest a particular amount of breaths or a pace or a cadence or an amount of exercise? Like, is, is there a sweet spot or, or where where you start to get diminishing returns? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So, you know. I like to start off with uh, um, just the, the, the quick and dirty uh, um, activity. Just breathe more deeply. We know that is, that is helpful. Walk, walk outside is the easiest thing to do. However, if you have time and you want to kind of uh, um, uh, really dig deeper here and find your own sweet spot, here is what I recommend. Um, there are literally thousands of kinds of breath meditation, and you can learn about them uh, simply by using YouTube and, and going to free breath meditation. Find one that you like. Uh, there are so many, you can judge them by how many views, how many millions of views that they have, and, and practice that um, in a non-anxiety uh, provoking situation, uh, just to find out which kind that you like. There's the kind that you do in yoga class that you might be familiar with, um, alternate nostril breathing. There's counting breathing where you count uh, four breaths, uh, four counts in, 
hold it for four counts and then uh, slowly breathe out for four counts. That's another uh, very common, easy one. But um, some might be more relaxing or less relaxing to you. So that is the easiest kind of free way to do that. Similarly, for exercise, um, we know from uh, experimental studies, and one of my expertise is the effects of physical activity on the brain, we know that walking alone can decrease anxiety levels, uh, decrease depression levels, and, and improve um, positive affect, simply walking outside for a minimum of, of 10 minutes. So do that. Um, um, some people might like uh, uh, doing something like like the uh, seven minute workout from from the New York Times. That's another good way. Again, you can explore, see what you like to do, see what's more natural. Uh, um, some people might want to stay in, indoors to do their physical activity. Um, uh, the other one that I like to uh, recommend is dance. Dancing is a wonderful form of physical activity. Turn your favorite uh, toe tapping music on from whatever period, and just dance for the three minutes of the song that is guaranteed to improve your mood as well. All right. I, I dig it. Thank you. That's a nice lineup and 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 quick and fun and, and makes an impact. So you mentioned a number of superpowers. I, I'm most yeah. intrigued by flow. How can mm. I use anxiety to get more flow? Yeah, that's a great one. So Flow, as it was originally defined, is depressingly unattainable. You have to have 10,000 hours of practice, and then you have to be so high-level performance. I think of Yo-Yo Ma because I love the cello. And so Yo-Yo Ma playing the Bach unaccompanied cello suites can achieve flow, but I will never be able to do flow because I can't do anything that, that beautiful with my hands. So it's depressing. And also, anxiety is a really big flow stopper. So not only is it really hard to get flow, but, but anxiety digs a hole deeper that, that makes it harder to get. And so I've come up with uh, something that I use all the time, which is the concept of microflow. So microflow is not dependent on how many hours you practiced or how high a level. Microflow is dependent on how much you are enjoying the process. So for example, I experience microflow after every yoga class in Shavasana because I'm really good at laying still on my back. Mm -hmm. And I categorize that as a moment of microflow. And it's really important. This superpower is one that's both a tool to help people out of bad anxiety, but it becomes a superpower as you practice it more and more. And it's really a practice and a strategy of noticing all the things that you do enjoy in a given day, no matter how fleeting they are. So Shavasana always seems so short, uh, but I categorize that as a moment of microflow. My green smoothie that I make in the morning that took me months to finalize the, the recipe that I, I love, that is a daily moment of microflow for me. Of course, everybody can cultivate this, but people with anxiety, it's even more important that they do this so that they can feel this flow and, and really appreciate the positive, lovely moments in their life and put that in their piggy bank. So it's about uh, the, the savoring, the appreciating, the, the pausing. Yes. So 
I, I guess I'm wondering in terms of like the, the recipe there, I guess first yeah. you notice, Hey, I like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I guess it's not just multitasking in your brain and rushing and trying to get it done and to go to the next thing. Any other particular mental practices that you're, you're doing there in order to arrive in that place? Yeah, it's really, I think it's an art of savoring, savoring good moments in your life. Because I can tell you from my own personal experience, when I was experiencing much higher levels of anxiety that we all do at certain points in our lives, any good moment like that, my first thought would be, it's going to be over. It's soon going to be over and I'm going to go back into anxiety. And so I was not, I was anti-savoring the moments. And the thing that really, really helped me was a practice that will be very familiar to many people and is in the focus superpower, which is the practice of meditation. So the practice of meditation is really a exercise for your prefrontal cortex. Your prefrontal cortex is is what is giving you that that unending to uh, what if list. What if this happens? What if that happens? For me, that always happens right before I'm trying to fall asleep. Mm-hmm. How do I quell that? Well, you you practice, you get yourself in a quiet state and very important you start very very short with a very short meditation 30 seconds have you ever done a 30 second meditation that could be just a breath meditation going back to our how you quiet bad anxiety in the first place but i think one of the biggest mistakes people make is trying to meditate for too long and thinking that they have to have all thoughts go out of their mind, that their mind has to be a blank slate. That never happens. You can quiet your mind. You can focus. That's why focusing on the breath or loving kindness and compassion meditation, focusing on that feeling of uh, loving kindness and compassion, which one can get the trick of the trade that I learned from some expert meditators is Think about puppies and babies, things that make you go, oh, you know, make you want to, you, you have immediate love for them. And it's a lovely meditation to do. It focuses your attention. It focuses your emotional state on cuteness and love and protection of this lovely creature. And, but it also trains your prefrontal cortex to go in this calm state. And that, that is very, very powerful for building focus, which often flies out to the window with anxiety. And so by practicing that, that is one of the ways that you can create a superpower of focus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lovely. Any other pro tips on the focus? So throughout the book, I interview a number of people, just real people, different ages, different backgrounds to tell their story, their anxiety story and how these approaches help them. And this this person actually gave us a wonderful tool for the focus superpower. And that is an immediate turning your what if list that often derails your focus into a to-do list. 
So this happened to be a entrepreneur that had terrible anxiety about, about raising money and couldn't get over a no answer and, and second guessed himself for all the things that he could have done differently to get that money back uh, or get that investment. And the tip that he got from a colleague of his that he shared with us is that all of those second guessing that you do, all that creates your what if list, you turn that into an action list. So use that as this is great. That what if that's going on the list, I'm going to change that. I'm going to do it differently for next time. So you turn it into an action item and it's turning the act, the negative activation of anxiety that creates this what if list that puts you into deeper anxiety and turns it into an immediate action list. And he was able to implement this and changed his, his view on his anxiety in one conversation. And he was a very driven person, but it is powerful to think, what if I just turned all those what ifs into my exploration list? And that is a part of the superpower of these things that come up in anxiety, these thoughts that come up in anxiety. Cool. Well, Wendy, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention. Yeah. One of my favorite superpowers, I think we've covered most all of them, is a superpower that comes from good anxiety is creativity. So creativity is a natural byproduct of anxiety because anxiety often pushes us to find workarounds. I can't do that. I can't go in that direction because that's difficult, but I'm going to do it a different way. And also the difficulties that come with anxiety, anxiety caused by difficult family members, uh, very difficult upbringings, we know from history often lead to some of the most creative outlets for that. Writing, song, you don't have to be a, a number one on the hits list, but they are inspiration for lots of creative outlets. And so instead of, again, just focusing on the negative feeling, can you get inspiration from all of these people that have used their negative anxiety-ridden experiences to create something beautiful and new? And in fact, many of them say that their creativity came from their pain and their anxiety. So it's inspiring to think about anxiety that way that your anxiety story can become a creativity story. Mm -hmm. Well, now could you share with us a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? The first quote that comes to mind that always inspires me is from Gandhi. Be the change you want to see. And that is an underlying quote that I use to write this book. I don't just write about good anxiety and the superpowers. I, I lived all these superpowers. I use them in my life and they change my life in profound ways, which is part of the story of good anxiety. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? Yeah. So my favorite bit of research was a preliminary study that I did in a classroom in, at NYU in August of 2020. It was the first 
semester where everybody was going to be remote. And I was invited to speak to a freshman cohort. I was going to share my research on the effects of exercise on the brain. And I had 30 minutes. And I decided to truncate the lecture. So it was only going to be 10 minutes long. And I decided to do an experiment on them. So I sent them all off to do a clinical anxiety survey. This was after I told them about the positive effects of exercise, including that wonderful neurochemical bubble bath uh, that happens when you move your body. So after they did the anxiety survey, we all came back. This was all on Zoom. And I happened to be a certified exercise instructor. So we all did 10 minutes of a workout that I teach called Intensati that uh, pairs physical movements from kickbox and dance and martial arts and yoga with positive spoken affirmations. So as you punch front punches, you say things like, I am strong now. And every move has different affirmations. And so there was 10 minutes of it. It was surprising. They did not know they were going to do this. And then at the end of that, I had them all go back and retake that anxiety survey. And the next day, I sent everybody that was in that, there were 30 freshmen in that session, I sent them the results. What I found was before the exercise, those 30 students on average were just shy of clinically anxious very high levels of anxiety. Again, this was right before their first remote session of their freshman year at NYU. So not so surprising, there was high levels of anxiety. But my favorite part is that just 10 minutes of working out over Zoom with me decreased their anxiety scores by 15 points on average, which brought them all to the normal anxiety levels. So that is just a quick experiment on the power of moving your body on affecting anxiety. All right, thank you. And how about a favorite book? I've been obsessed with memoirs and I've been reading memoirs of comedians because I admire their writing and I've always wanted to be a funny person. So (laughs) I'm curious about how comedians tell their life story. So one of my favorite books that I've read recently is called A Very Punchable Face by Colin Jost from uh, Saturday Night Live. And how about a favorite tool, something you use to be awesome at your job? I feel like my superpower tool of being awesome at my job is staying connected with a whole bunch of creative friends who are really, really inspiring in lots of different, different ways. So I find myself time and time again inspired thinking about how to bring elements of performance or musical theater into my teaching and into my talk world. So my superpower is my creative cohort of friends. Mm -hmm. And a favorite habit, something you do that helps you be awesome at your job? My morning tea meditation. So every morning I uh, wake up and I do about 45 minutes of meditation over the brewing and drinking of tea. It's a particular form of meditation that I learned from a monk, a tea monk, and I set up my day beautifully with that tool. And is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate with folks? They quote it back to you often? Yes. The quote that I get most often is, I love your image of a bubble bath for the brain every time you move your body. It's an image that's novel and it sticks with people. And that's the one that gets quoted back to me the most often. And if folks want to learn more or get in touch, where would you point them? 
Yes. Uh, best way to learn more about me and get in touch is my website, www.wendysuzuki.com. And everything's there from, from classes to books to lectures to TED Talks. So you'll find everything there. And you have a final challenge or call to action for folks looking to be awesome at their jobs? My call to action is to, and I've done this myself, great to focus on your major strengths. But what if you could use your anxiety to be even better at your job? It's hard to think about that. It's a jujitsu move that I tried to show everybody how to do, but that is my best tip for a new way to improve yourself using your own anxiety story. All right. Well, Wendy, thank you. This has been a treat and I wish you uh, much luck and good anxiety in the days to come. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I really loved Wendy's perspective about the 30-second meditation. Sometimes I've got to go big or go home, all or nothing mindset and too many things. And it's silly because as I'm recording these words, I'm looking at my Muse EEG headband, which is pretty cool. It like senses your brain waves and you can use it while meditating to see just how calm you were, which is funny. There's even a tournament a meditation contest, which is ironic in, in so many ways. But I like the numbers of the quantification and, and just the ritual of, okay, this is what we're doing now. But uh, it takes more than 30 seconds even to get that baby fired on and going. And it's not necessary to get much of the benefits. So, so thanks to Wendy for that reminder. I've been doing some 30-second meditations and, and seeing some benefits. So much appreciated. Again, if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash EP700. If you want a quick summary write-up of this, you can sign up for the Gold Nuggets and, and read that as a quick refresher review of what Wendy had to say, as well as the insights from 699 other episodes. Hope to catch you next time and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers. Subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 